It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTcomics.com. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined this morning, as always, by my two co-hosts, Connor Christensen and Jim Lehane. How are we doing? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Happy Turkey Day. Turkey days, multiple days. Enjoy the leftovers. We didn't have much leftovers. We had a small turkey, as everybody apparently is buying small turkeys. And I bought an exceptionally small turkey, and we had leftovers for like one night. Um, No turkeys in this household. I don't even like turkey, so I'm not terribly disappointed. This Uh, was the (laughs) first year where I found the turkey to be actually very enjoyable. Um, though my, uh, sister's boyfriend cooked it and it was one of those situations where like everything else was ready. And he was like, so I thought the turkey was going to be done. Turns out we need about two more hours. So why don't we just hang out for a bit? It'll be ready. But it ended up being like, it was the first time where I had turkey where I'm like, oh, like, I don't feel like it's a chore eating this. Like every year at Thanksgiving, you put turkey on your plate because it's like, well, it's Thanksgiving. I have to have turkey. But it's like, oh, this is dry and awful. But this year, it was like, oh, this is actually very good. So, my wife makes good. a lovely turkey. She does a really good job. I just generally don't like turkey. Um, but she smoked the turkey this year, and we had it out in the barbecue. And then we're reading news reports about people trying to deep fry their turkey and burning down their neighbors' houses. And I just keep wondering, like. How close are we to burning down our neighbor's house with the turkey outside? <laughs> we uh, brought some excellent mac and cheese that the lady makes, a sweet potato casserole, and some um, pumpkin squash soup that was a little spicy, which was excellent. And every year uh, when we go to either my house or the fiance's parents' house, it's, okay, two vegetarians are coming in. Every year they freak out. And every year we have to have the same simple conversation of you guys have mashed potatoes, you have cranberry sauce, you have green bean casserole, you have rolls, you have, uh, you know, the onions and the, and the sauce. Like there's already like five to six vegetarian dishes. Like it's going to be fine. Calm down. <laughs> Freaking <You> vegetarians. <laughs> My sister's a vegetarian. <laughs> my sister's a vegetarian. She makes a tofurkey every once in a while. Or my Ugh. mom will make a tofurkey oh, thank for you. her. <laughs> yeah, my um, my brother's fiance now, he just got engaged. Um, I would say congratulations, but he doesn't listen to the show, so he sucks. Um, but she's a vegan, and uh, she's like not really picky about, like, you have to have options for me. But she did, one time when we went camping, she brought... Um, faux sausage without telling anybody like her and my brother were responsible for bringing the sausage like the breakfast sausage and she got faux sausage and when we were cooking it we were like this doesn't look right what kind of sauce oh god it's vegan sausage and my family's like no like let's just try it maybe it's you know let's be open-minded and all of us like got it in our mouths we're like oh uh uh-uh i ain't this have (laughs) you tried uh the impossible burger or i have they're delicious. Yeah. They're 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 unrecognizable from the normal thing. Same with um faux chicken. I found faux chicken is is pretty like you can't tell the difference. I don't know faux chicken, but we we do gardein from time to time, and that's really 
good and hard to distinguish and when we have some of my meat eater friends over they are like i can barely tell the difference it tastes good most of the stuff out there nowadays is is, uh pretty pretty good like the beyond meat and guardian stuff and impossible it's not as rough as it used to be when i have those soulless carnivores over for dinner (laughs) those flesh terrors with their teeth i don't guilt them I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying anything like that. To them. Oh, you guys, dirty eat, mediators! You get your sustenance from the flesh of another being. Wow. Okay. So, on that note, let's Star, talk Wars. Some Star Wars. Jim, uh, you finished Tales, and from that Galaxy's is turkey Edge. talk. <laughs> yeah, talking turkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I did finish Galaxy's Edge or Tales from Galaxy's Edge. Um, so, as I mentioned last uh, time, the, it's the VR game, new VR game from the Oculus. They estimated, based on the the top review, um, a lot of times, like reading through the reviews on the Oculus games is really helpful because uh, a lot of the people kind of really play a lot of the VR games, so they're good kind of like bouncing off points for your personal views um, as opposed to other things on the internet reading reviews is a terrible option but I do like reading the top reviews on the Oculus games and the top review he said about five to six hours if you do all the side quests and he's pretty much on point Um, I did most of the side quests and I played through the main game and you read through a couple of reviews and they're like the game ends really abruptly and I was actually surprised um, I didn't read this till after I played and it ends like super fast. Like you defeat the big boss person, which you, I really am not a big fan of the way you defeat the big boss person. It's kind of more of a stalling game instead of actually defeating them. And then like you're, you had collected a bunch of the, the um, you know, those mini droids that you can build at galaxy's edge. This yes. game actually sets up where they come from. So you're collecting oh, those. Oh, cool. They come from the ship that crashed that you were in initially, and you are collecting them in the wilderness for Mubo. Um, and Mubo is the place where you build the droids. And so when you collect all of them, he's like, I could actually have people make these. And so that's kind of setting up where they come from, and you are collecting those mini droids as you go through. But you collect a bunch of those in the final game, and then all of a sudden, like as you save the two characters you're supposed to save, it goes to credits like out of nowhere you're standing in a star field and credits are playing and i'm like um but i collected the things and i didn't get to return them and like what what happened well you can leave there uh, you could stop the credits and go back to the game but it doesn't really make it clear that you can do that while you're playing like you have to hit a like you don't you never want to leave the credits because you don't want to lose your progress on the game um but like once you hit a button it's like exit credits like okay and then you go back into the game but it, the way it's set up was like they're like we need credits somewhere to give for the people making the game but it, they, they did a terrible job of putting them into the game um because you can immediately go back into the game and like go back to the boards that you had played already um as, and collect whatever you had missed. But besides that, like the, the, the glitching didn't happen again after that one time where it completely crashed. Never had any problems with that. 
And like the final boss person, like I said, I didn't realize it was a stalling game. Like you're trying to blow up an ATRT, and it's really hard. ATRT. Um, I'm not even sure what that is off the top of my head. Uh, so you remember the chicken walkers in Clone Wars where they're yes. sitting on the top? I'm that is what it is okay. with shields. So I'm curious. Um, when you're all said and done playing this game, would you say there's anything significant to canon in here? There is significant, like I said, the droids, like it's significance to Galaxy's Edge. Mm, not really canon, like some so far though, because they definitely have spots for expansions. It's clear they're planning on adding new content, kind of like the Vader Immortal had episode one, two, and three. It's clear that they're going to add more stuff to this that, yes, you're going to have to pay for it the way they have it set up. I don't think it's going to be free. Um, they, yeah, they there's one side quest, kind of, where you get sent back a couple hundred years and you are a Jedi kind of under the tutelage of Yoda. That's where, if when you see the videos of Yoda, it's really a obscure way to get there they kind of mixed it into the game that you kind of literally get transported back and you are this female jedi um back at that time i'm not going to give it away uh that how you get there um but it is part of like one of the side quests it kind are, of, are there high republic naturally. plugs here i have not seen any high republic plugs that is uh, shocking yeah, yeah. every comic book you read now, <laughs> there is at least well, one. Everywhere. You also got to go on um, production time. So how long, this has probably been in production far longer than the High Republic has, and that they weren't able to mix it in. Like maybe the expansions um, would mix it in. But my biggest problem with this is that they specifically had stated that they 3D scanned Galaxy's Edge, the park, to put into the game. You never go there. Like, you can see it when you're in the cantina. Like I said, you can see it out the window. You can see Galaxy's Edge. You're overlooking the Falcon. Um, and what I didn't realize is that the ship, it, his ship is not in Galaxy's Edge, the the cantina that you're basically based in. It's a ship that's sitting on top of Ogus. And so it's that's going to be part of the game, apparently, was why is this ship not there? He's in comp- direct competition with Oga. And so they do have, like, the storyline that they're, like, building around um, to tie into Galaxy's Edge, but you never go into the streets of Galaxy's Edge. I'm hoping it comes with the expansion, but that's like my major problem with this is I was looking forward to like literally walking around the park. I can't go to the park. This game's great. I can go to the park in the game. No, no, you can't. <laughs> and uh, so hopefully that gets included because it's there. Apparently they have it. I can see it. I'm sure and- it's going to be a, a future expansion. I hope so. Uh, that that would be my biggest my biggest. Why else uh, would they create it and not use it, right? Yeah, that that's my biggest uh, I'd say flaw with the game so far is that this is what you were expecting, and you're not getting what you're expecting. Like the one thing I was expecting of this game, and I didn't get it. And I, I felt like it because like when you go from you can leave the cantina and you can go to Mubo's, but it basically teleports you to these places instead of like walking through the streets and getting to them like. If I was playing Zelda, like you literally go from like one building, walk through the town, go open the door to the next building. Like that's what I would like. Um, and you don't get that with this game. You get teleported from place to place. And even in the like when you're playing the main track, you're out in the wilds of Batu, you get to the end of the board 
um, and it sends you to another board. It's like teleport to this next board, but the layout doesn't match. Like you, you're going from a canyon in one to like in the next one you start and it's not the same. It's like as if you're in a different, you literally teleported like a couple hundred feet away into a different canyon. And so it's like, it's weird. Um, the, the way the layouts are, you would expect it to be more seamless along the way. Now I've, I, I have a question. If you had to choose between the two, would you like, which, which is the definitive star Wars VR experience at the moment? Tales from galaxy's edge or Vader immortal. No, it's easily Vader immortal. Cause Vader immortal, you there's, there's more of a game there. Um, especially since you have all three episodes, like I say, I played Tales from Galaxy's Edge longer, but Vader Immortal, it feels more like you're in a Star Wars, like, like they both feel like you're in a Star Wars game, but Vader Immortal feels more important. Uh, and like Vader Immortal, like it does have the problem of being more on rails where you're directed along a path. And this one, you feel like you can go more a little, you have a little more freedom to wander around and do these um, side tasks where Vader Immortal, there really is no side tasks. You just, you're just plotting, plotting along through the storyline because even in this game, like the characters will start talking as if you're there and you could be across the room. They're like, I think they're talking to me, but I'm not over there. And so it's like things like that get a little weird. Like you can't actually start a conversation. They just kind of start one as if you're like, they're there for it. And I noticed this, but I have terrible hearing is that the, audio on the people that are speaking is all over the freaking place um the droid that is your companion in the beginning the prologue of the game inaudible i couldn't hear him at all uh, i couldn't understand what he was saying i literally you can plug headphones into the oculus and then put headphones on so you have complete like immersion and i still couldn't understand the thing and even like many of the characters later in the game I had a very hard time understanding uh and but that's a common problem that through the the, the comments it's not just the fact that i'm deaf so would you say that um this was worth your the time you invested in your money oh yeah like i i had a great time i had a lot of fun um i wouldn't play it if it wasn't worth my time playing it like <laughs> i have so many other games to play uh i'm still in the middle of squadrons and uh i'm not having as much fun as squadrons as i think connor did so that's kind of why i moved over to this game it's very hard. It's a very <laughs> hard game. Speaking yeah, of squadrons, quick plug. Uh, free DLC comes out for squadrons in two days, which is awesome. And then there's more DLC in December. It's uh, it's on sale through Sony's Black Friday. So I'm so considering. What, 15 bucks? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. But I would say for how cheap it is. I've been to, actually, I went on a rant telling my sister's boyfriend to buy, not a rant, but I like, tried really hard to sell them on the game because i'm like dude you don't under like it's surprisingly good it shouldn't be as good as it is but it is and it's um, actually kind of a surprise that they're releasing the dlc because i remember you're super upset because they specifically said they were not releasing anything any expansions the or anything one time that star wars fans were like oh my god we love this give us more of this <laughs> ea and motive we're like nah we're not doing anything. And then luckily they, they reversed course and decided like, okay, we're going to drop a new map. Um, we're going to give you the B-Wing. We're going to give you the tie. Um, oh, I'm blanking on it. Um, it's the, the tie, tie Defender. Fighter, the, thank you. The TIE Defender that Thrawn built. 
Um, oh, really? So that's I. I saw the Y wing. I didn't know the Tie Defender was also part of that. Yeah, expansion. it's gonna be. It's so it's gonna be pretty sweet. I'm excited. Um, it's 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 very confusing to me. Um, like, why would you put a game out and immediately say we're not going to further develop it whatsoever? Especially if it's a multiplayer game, and especially when it gets such a positive reception from the community. Well, I, I mean, before the game's even out, if it's a single player game, it's perfectly fair to say this is the game. It's a single player game. There, we'll we fix the, the bugs if there's bugs, but yes. we're not like expanding the it. Game. Like the story is the story. <laughs> yeah, but it's so rare to see a multiplayer game, especially from EA, where it's like multiplayer, which you just see like dollar signs across their eyes. <laughs> uh, it's just so odd to me for any multiplayer game these days to get released and to have the developer say, "Yeah, that's going to be it. We're not going to ever develop any further content for it." I'm I'm just so curious. About behind like why they said that like i don't mind that they went back against it because that's great for the player base and and uh i'm stoked for all the people that enjoy it like you guys i just am so so confused by that especially a game that is so ripe for like honestly so ripe for esports and (laughs) competitive play it's star wars universe too like there are unlimited things that you could add to this as far as like nostalgia driven things new ships new uh places to have star uh, you know space battles like the dlc content the cosmetic items like yeah it's just so illogical it's 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 kind of funny but hey we're avoiding another battlefront 2 situation so that's good this dlc that's coming out is free so if you're a star wars squadrons player like me uh make sure to hop on in two days get the november patch you'll get a new map um it's the dockyards from the game's prologue, which will be pretty cool. And then in December, I don't think they've announced the official date in December yet. But in December, they're dropping another DLC patch. And this one comes with two new ships, the B-Wing, which will be a bomber class, which is kind of cool. And then the TIE Defender, which is going to be a fighter class, which has shields, which is huge for people like me who need shields to not die. So I find setting it on easy... Um, the the lowest possible setting in story mode, and I don't need shields. <laughs> <laughs> if Cyberpunk wasn't coming out in less than two weeks, then I would pick it up. But I just know that once that comes out, um, that's going to take literally all my free time away. Yeah, I, I apologize, dear listeners, but once Cyberpunk comes out, this will be a Cyberpunk podcast. I don't even know what that is. Jim's face right now, and <laughs> what? what he just said is the most just like Jim moment ever. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Cyber, what? Get off my lawn. <laughs> I always feel bad for being the young man on the podcast. Now we're now I feel good because we're making Jim feel old. <laughs> you people right. and your your cyber bullying punk games. So, uh, should we talk about what everybody's here to talk about and, and to listen, I should say, what everyone's here to listen to us talk about? I yeah. thought we already did. I, I could see the, the gears turning for the dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but let's talk about the Mandalorian. When one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. So, uh, right off the bat, you know, we were talking about the episode and our plan for today's show a little bit uh, before we got started this morning. And Jim, I 
thought I heard you say at one point that um, this episode doesn't have an official title. So, like, I guess my problem, I'm literally pulling up Disney Plus right this second so I can confirm what I saw when I was uh, opening it. But none of the episodes really have the titles. Like, the titles that we see are not the titles that come up when you open them up on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so, I like, just noticed that. I'm looking at it, too. What's weird, though, is season one does. So, I do, that's probably because, like, the titles have been spoilers. Like, we noticed it when we were talking about the Bo-Katan episode. Um they they talked about the heiress. It's like okay, you can kind of you can kind of figure it out. And then the episode that this one was was called the Jedi. Um, and you had seen this last week, JJ. You had messaged us that it's called the the Jedi. So clearly, it's probably about Ahsoka. But knowing Dave Filoni, knowing the way that this is, he does this all. There is no guarantee that quote the Jedi is about Ahsoka like he could like easily like string this out like we had all assumed that Ahsoka wasn't going to coming till the season finale kind of way she did in Rebels um and like oh my word the spoilers like people weren't even bothering to try covering up the spoilers this week and after weeks of everybody complaining about oh no spoilers no spoilers i'm in one group where they're like yeah absolutely no spoilers and then the person who's complaining about no spoilers literally posts a picture of ahsoka when i wake up 7 a.m on friday on facebook and i'm like this is like you're you're not even trying like this is like there's literally nothing in this episode that would guarantee that ahsoka would be there but thanks for spoiling it and then like from there it kind of expanded out like nobody has cared this weekend that about yeah. spoilers and i th- i think it was like i've been off twitter in most of most of the internet these past couple weeks but after watching the episode i was like oh i want to go on twitter and see what people are saying because like i was so blown away especially for the well this is a tease for a tease but the big name drop at the end of the episode i was more interested in like okay how did people react to that and i saw that gets people were spoiling that on twitter which i was i was like what are you doing the episode f- released 46 minutes ago like the credits are still rolling and people are posting the the name drop uh, spoil on Twitter, but also like yeah, like you said, just people. I mean, Ahsoka Tano was trending on Twitter. <laughs> it was like if you went on Twitter like on Thursday night right after the episode came out, you immediately got spoiled, and that sucks. I have a long mute list on Twitter. I don't open Instagram. I don't open Reddit. I just avoid the internet because no matter how careful you are, people are jerks and they're gonna spoil it. Uh, which is really unfortunate, but we also have a, a a you know Discord where we talk about it. But people there are nice enough to use spoiler tags in my friend's group chat that we have. We have a rule that like no spoilers in it until uh, everyone in it has said that they've seen it. Um, but it's just unfortunate that you know some folks are going to spoil it for you regardless. Um, all that being said, since we keep you know mentioning Ahsoka, uh, this episode. You know, I think she is the biggest justifiably headline to come out of this. Um, But man, this episode was just chock full of crazy stuff. Not not just like the story that was within it, but um, we we had Easter eggs. We had uh, plot hooks. It was the most Dave Filoni episode I think I've ever seen. 
we actually probably got more answers in this episode to ongoing questions, especially regarding the child, than in any other episode combined. Um, like, where did this child come from? And uh, like all name? of that stuff. Oh yeah, what is his name? Um, that that was probably one of my favorite part parts. Just kind of the dumb look. Like, that's his name. It's like you didn't know his name, did you? How long have you been traveling with the child and you did not know his name? Once again, <laughs> terrible <laughs> father. Oh, not this again. Um, but yeah, we we had. I mean, we're gonna break down each thing. But there was just so much that came out of this 47 minutes that we got um, in this episode. I, I just can't believe how many things that Filoni was able to squeeze into this. And I never felt overwhelmed by it. Like, it all felt appropriate for how the episode was structured. Um, and it's a very Dave Filoni move to drop breadcrumbs that you're not going to see uh, yield any results for like a season or two and they've already or confirmed even this. in this show like yeah yeah <laughs> when it's or ever it's star wars so you know it it it's fine if it's not this show because they have so many other avenues that they can explore it but they've already confirmed this for a third season i just want them to keep going man i don't want them to rush anything i want more side quests more adventures i want the you know more rebels characters in live action um this this to me is hands down the best star wars content that disney has produced yeah and and this i i agree with that and you guys know my that i i have a lot of love for the sequel trilogy but i do think the mandalorian especially with the what they've done these past five episodes has just shown like okay this is their bread and butter right now um, especially, I mean, obviously there's no films coming out, so that makes sense. But I mean, just in terms of, of quality, looking back at, um, the, the sequel trilogy, which has its problems and it's, it's, it's high points, but you look at this and it's, it's, there's far more positives from the Mandalorian than there are negatives. And this episode, particularly as JJ pointed out, is incredible in the sense that there's so much information, but it's weaved into the episode <clears throat> so well. <clears throat> that you you never once feel overwhelmed you you the pace never feels boring you know you never feel like okay move on from this let's get to the next thing it's extremely well paced there's tons of action the action sequences man are so good um the whoever uh choreographed ahsoka tano's ahsoka tano's fight style uh, just bravo because nailed it um and there's just great performances from all the the actors involved uh, th something I noticed for the first time in a Mandalorian episode, the cinematography in this episode is incredible. There are some shots in this episode that I was like, I can't tell I'm watching A, a TV show, and B, I'm watching Star Wars. Like, um, the shot, the, the in initial shot when Mando lands on the planet, and it's that slow pan, and then we find the Razor Crest as the Mandalorian is walking down. I'm like, oh my god, beautiful. Like, incredible. So, um... I hesitated with the the Eris episode with Bo-Katan. I didn't want to call. I was like, that this might be the best. Hands down, this is the best episode of the show yet. Um, amazing, and which is funny because I have I have uh, been critical of Dave Filoni's episodes in the past and of him as a live action director and writer and saying like, oh, I think he's more of like a 
uh, a supervisor and like a head of story type guy. I don't know if he can actually do it hands on. I'm eating my words because this whole episode was incredible and it was written and directed by him and it was the best and amazing and it was everything that we all wanted. I, I was in awe. I gasped at one point. At the end of the episode, I gasped. It was just incredible. It wasn't my favorite episode. <laughs> well, Jim, go start your own podcast. Very on then. brand for Jim. <laughs> um, so, it, like, it was a good episode, but it it rehashed a lot of the things we keep seeing. And like we brought up last week, it's a, it brings up the same story point of like the Mando is starting to become pointless in the series because he is like. He 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 is basically our our plot thread that we're following along, but his story is almost like he's he's the Indiana Jones of his own story. But he's not even the Indiana Jones. He's almost just the like narrator of the story, telling uh, like bringing us to a new story and telling us that story, and then he will bring us to a new story. And it, like this was Ahsoka's story, and like Ahsoka felt very one-off in this episode almost to the point where did she did it really need to be ahsoka could it have been any jedi in this part other than the fact that we know ahsoka i would say i i do actually i i didn't think this till now you're right it is it is these they did rehash basically the same story structure that we've gotten four or five times in the show now of Mando lands on four a planet. Four or five times in this season. Yeah, Mando lands <laughs> on a planet. Somebody needs his help assaulting a base. But this time, Jim, there were lightsabers. White sabers? Yeah, well, oh, white sabers. Think <laughs> that. This time, there were white sabers and Michael Bean. So, pretty awesome. So, like like if this like if this episode came out earlier, it would have been fantastic, but it's the fact that we're rehashing the same storyline. It's it, it's like they're like we're gonna give you the same exact storyline, but we're gonna just twist it a little, and then the next week we're gonna do the same thing. And oh, this one has Ahsoka in it. And it's like that. It like how much can we do this and still like make it feel new and fresh? So that's that's funny that you you say that because now that I'm thinking about it, the I was going to jokingly say, like, well, we're Star Wars fans. We're distracted by shiny things, like characters we like. But when you think about it, the episodes that are the same structure but introduce us to a character we know, we don't care that it's the same thing. Like, think about it. We didn't care that the first episode was the same story. But it had Cobb Vance, so who cared? Um, And then the second episode was the first time that it's like, this is something completely new. And, you know, I really liked it, despite the spiders. Um, The third episode was Mandalorian's going to assault... A base. We've seen that hundreds of times, or so many times now, but had Bo-Katan, so who cares? Then the fourth episode was Mandalorian's going to assault a base with some friends, but it had characters we already knew, so it was kind of like, okay, whatever. This episode is Mandalorian's going to help somebody assault a base, but it has Ahsoka in it, so we don't really care. So I do see what you're saying, where it's, is, is they are retreading the same ground, and, the o- and I would say your answer of how do they keep it fresh their answer is, we're just going to keep giving you characters we know you love. <laughs> well, we've got three episodes left, so I don't think we're going to see any more of what we've seen. I think things are going to uh, be kicked up a notch a lot. And... I believe we said that the last time. <laughs> uh, I don't think we did. But we'll either way, see. We'll see. For, for me, the, the first season felt uh, a lot different from this season. 
a lot less formulaic and a lot more about the Mandalorian. And this season to me is is kind of been what John Favreau said it would be. They're going to open things up a lot more and uh, to do that, apparently they need a lot of setup episodes within an eight episode season, which I, I feel like is a justifiable limitation. And I don't disagree with you guys that um, it is very similar, but when you're working within that constraint, I'm not going to be super critical if this uh, allows them to be a lot more creative uh, in future seasons because we're already familiar with these characters. Uh, so I, I I definitely see the criticisms and I think they're perfectly valid, but I also think that that doesn't mean the episodes aren't fun and entertaining and, and good. Um, and, and I really enjoyed them. I have no problem with people liking this episode. Clearly, it was a good episode. These are just my problems. This is what, like, the more I think about it, the more that stands out to me. And and I would I would also say that I think this was good enough that I didn't even notice they were feeding me the same thing until Jim pointed it out to me. Like, and I think that speaks to like how well done it was. Is like they did the same thing, and it was so well executed. I didn't even notice until, like I said, Jim was like, "Well, it's the same thing again." So to be I think fair, I've always been hypercritical of things. And to be just as fair, I'm kind of dumb. So. <laughs> All um, right. <laughs> but I do. Naive. I, we wouldn't, we wouldn't yeah, call you let's, dumb. Let's just naive. Nice, naive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I do wonder, and JJ, stop me if I'm getting ahead of myself, but I do wonder if these, these like setups they're doing aren't setups for the Mandalorian, but if these are setups for spinoff shows. Cause like this Ahsoka episode felt like a backdoor Ahsoka pilot. Like, you could very... Because, like, if you want to focus on what Ahsoka's going to do after this, it makes more sense, instead of keeping that as a beef plot in The Mandalorian, that should be its own plot, not second to The Mandalorian's plot. You know what I mean? Well, I think Jim, you know, said it earlier that it could... It could happen through books. It could happen through comics. It could happen through games. So I don't know that these are hooks for... Uh, spinoff shows but I definitely think they're hooks for um, anything really I I wouldn't be surprised if the kind of loose direction is like these are the characters that we want to work with moving forward we haven't nailed down what mediums we want to explore them in but we're going to lay these hooks here because we know we're going to be doing something within you know this loose outline with Ahsoka and Bo-Katan within a future live action or animated series or a comic in a book or, you know, like maybe it is super well-defined and we're seeing like this really uh, tight laid out plan uh, put into place in front of us, but it could be uh, the opposite of that because the star Wars advantage, this franchise just has so many different mediums to explore these characters through which gives them such an advantage. Like they can take as much time as they want to. They have countless talented people. Uh, they have just, you know, the biggest arguably like gaming fan base out there. Uh, the books, the comics, like they don't need to question if anyone's going to watch the shows or the films. Uh, and we just get to sit here and, and <laughs> say, yes, please. And enjoy whatever decide uh, they decide to go with. And clearly with characters like Ahsoka and, and Bo-Katan, we're going to say more live action because we've never seen them there before. Uh, and I think I can speak for all of us probably when I say that 
uh, please give us Thrawn in some form of live action, please, pretty please. <laughs> so now that you you kind of uh, the, the broke that uh, broke that egg, um, it kind of going off with you had said is I don't think that this would be books or comics because b- based on this the end of this episode, it is revealed, spoiler that Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn, Grand which is Admiral Thrawn. Uh, I don't think she said Grand Admiral. No, I think she, she, she just did. said, yeah. oh, did she? Okay. She said, where's your master Grand Admiral Thrawn? And that's where I gasped. Yeah. <laughs> and JJ and just so, did the yeah. wrestling. Crotch chop. I don't know what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, something. And so, like, this is a direct continuation of the end of Rebels, where the, the, um, the epilogue uh, basically has Ahsoka um, collecting... Sabine to go find Ezra and Ezra we know of uh, escaped or uh, took Thrawn somewhere and so Thrawn apparently is still pulling his threads but we don't know where he is and we assume he has Ezra with him and that's why Ahsoka is looking for him because she was tasked to find Ezra and so with, with Sabine Ren yeah I said that oh you did I'm sorry yes. I missed that you pay, you pay attention, attention JJ gosh <laughs> And so that this is a, a clear plot thread following that along. And the reason I'm saying that this would not follow in the books or the comics is, one, seeing it in the television, only in the television shows, it would make sense that he would continue this in television shows. And Dave Filoni is so locked down on the character of Ahsoka. Like, there has been one book which Dave Filoni heavily influenced the plot of, um, about Ahsoka, and besides that, we rarely see her in any other materials. To the point, he directed this episode. <laughs> like he didn't even want other people directing her. Like he, that is his his child is Ahsoka, and I can't imagine that he would let that story continue without him heavily um, uh, guiding what it is. To the point of it's his his writing and his directing of whatever, whether it's in another cartoon series, whether it's in a live action series, or that sort of thing. And I, I, th- I think the the Pandora's box of live action is something like like you can't you can't introduce her in live action, introduce these plot threads, and then go okay, now we're gonna jettison this back to a different medium uh, for lack of a better term in the eyes of a lot of Star Wars fans, not us. All obviously. I can picture right now is Palpatine laughing hysterically because guess <laughs> guess what? Disney can do whatever they want, pal. Oh yeah, but I just, I just mean like I, I think most fans, the general Star Wars fans look at anything that's not movies and TV as a lesser medium. And I think that's incredibly mistaken and, and, and really naive. That's but a that fair is criticism the truth. of that the That is fan the truth. Base. Most yeah. non-hard, like obviously the three of us, we, there's no difference. Star Wars is Star Wars. But so I think if Disney decided like, oh, we're going to lay these plot threads of Ahsoka and get the general Star Wars fans interested in her, I couldn't see them then going, okay, now we're going to continue this story in a book. Like, I think that would really piss off a lot of people. Honestly, it would kind of piss me off because it's like, well, why did you even bring her in then? Um, but then, like you said, though, Disney can do whatever they want. I just think I think that would be especially boneheaded um, to do that. And it would especially make such a big deal about Ahsoka's um, entrance into live action. Same with Bo-Katan. Uh, now, what I do want to talk about is Jim's point on this being like almost the 
rebel sequel we wanted is the reason I was so excited about the Thrawn name drop is my brain immediately went to, oh my god, that means Sabine is around here somewhere. Because we know Sabine and Ahsoka are looking for Ezra together. I was like, oh my god, we're gonna get we're gonna get live action Sabine too. So that that's why I got so excited about that. We've kind of we haven't actually talked about um, the episode at all from uh, a plot standpoint yet. Uh, we, you know, we've talked about Ahsoka without addressing like her place in the story. Uh, I think the only thing we actually kind of um, drilled into a little bit was Thrawn, and and it's fine to start there. Um, but I think we should circle back to the front of the episode. So, uh, last episode. Folks heard us um, talk about the situation with Gina Carano uh, and COVID. Uh, and we also, you know, before that spoke about how we try to keep this show uh, strictly about Star Wars and leave the politics at the door. Um, but coming into today's episode, Jim Connor and I had a discussion and we decided it wouldn't be right for us to do that. Um, given that Rosario Dawson is a major part of this episode. Uh, so if you're not aware a trans man, uh, Dedrick Finley, has accused Rosario Dawson and her family of workspace discrimination and physical and emotional assault. Uh, he was actually sent to the hospital. I just want to say right off the bat that uh, before I go further, Jim Connor and I um, are three white straight males um, our perspective on this is limited, but we're doing our best to speak about it when, in our small platform, listen, uh, and learn, and we're going to do our best. Um, so we appreciate you guys listening to us. And if you'd like to connect with us on this subject, you can email us, uh, and we'd love to speak with you more about it. It's talking tauntauns at aiptcomics.com. That's talking tauntauns at aiptcomics.com. So, uh, you know, there's no, as far as I'm aware, definitive evidence either way in this case. Um, I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty details about it. Uh, I do know that Rosario Dawson has been, as far as, you know, I've read, very supportive of the LGBTQ plus community for a long time, has come out as bisexual. But um, that being said, the accusations against her are uh, disgusting and horrible and... I don't uh, support her, and I think the three of us uh, can universally say we are supporting the victim here, Um, but we do love Star Wars, The Mandalorian, and we appreciate people like Jon Favreau, Dave Filoni, Pablo Pasquale, and the many, many, many other people that work on this show very, very hard to make uh, it amazing for Star Wars fans, so it is a difficult line for us to walk given uh that rosario dawson is a part of this show now but uh, we don't want to turn our backs on all the other people that are a part of this show Uh, we hope that she um, does the right thing in this scenario uh, and is supportive of organizations and communities that are against uh, any sort of violence towards uh, trans individuals and that help raise awareness around these types of issues. Uh, and we hope she apologizes and we hope she makes this right, but, um, time will tell. We're going to do our best to, uh, be supportive of this show, talk about star Wars 
and be um, open and transparent about issues like this when we when they happen. Uh, we're not always going to do the best job of it, but we're going to try our best. So uh, thank you, and thank you for listening to the show. Well, part of it for me, too, is it would be awfully hypocritical of us to kind of hammer Gina Carano last week and then ignore Rosario Dawson's problems. That would not just be hypocritical, but that would also further uh highlight the problems of of suppressing violence in the the trans community so um we we want everyone to know that we're aware of it um that it that it sucks you know it's it's an uncomfortable thing to think about where it's you know it's a character we're all excited to see and then to remember because this is an incident that was reported in 2018 so it's a few years old now but then to remember that hey the actress uh portraying this character we all love has a potentially uh, bad history um, and a wildly problematic history. So um, it sucks and it's uncomfortable to talk and think about, but we can't ignore it, so we decided not to. So we just wanted to uh, let everyone know that we're aware of it and, um, yeah, and try to, to move forward as we can. I have several transgender friends, and I support the transgender community with all my heart. And... If these accusations are accurate, then it's a terrible thing. Like, um, and no, I don't think she should be involved, but it seems very weird. It's like you look at like one side of her, she is very supportive, but then like it's the same thing. Um, the community is not a, a monolith. Uh, there, there's obviously like you can support the gay people and then be completely um, anti bisexuals, and that that we know that happens a lot. So. The, the fact that she is supportive of the gay community and bisexual community does not mean that she is supportive of the trans community. But again, we don't know. We don't know anything. We just know, um, I, I believe it mentioned uh, um, off conversation uh, before, is that it's a lot of hearsay of what happened to one person. And clearly this person, like, um, they had been admitted to the hospital. So it's I would assume there's records of that, so clearly that had happened. Some of the accusations had been dropped from what I read, but the assault charges are still pending. And so it's like, but again, Rosario Dawson has a lot of money and power. And she's, and, she's dating a senator. <laughs> yeah, so like the, just because things are dropped doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It just means that some people have power, some people don't. So, um, yeah, I'm in, I, I don't know where to stand is other than I believe the accuser. And that's kind of that until otherwise that's where, that's where I sit. Yeah. So, um, thank you guys. If you want to talk to us about what happened, uh, please feel free to reach out. You can email us, Jim, that's your line. Talking tauntauns at AIPTcomics.com. You need to give me more of a setup. I don't, I did, did, did. <laughs> Keeping you on your feet. You just can't throw this thing at me. I'm writing notes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, if, if you uh, would like to speak to us about that, we are uh, very open to any dialogue. So please shoot us an email uh, and we'll be more than happy to discuss it with you. Uh, we're trying our best here. Uh, so yeah, thank you. We are going to uh, move on and actually talk about the episode itself now. Uh, so it started off, I mean, it started with a bang. You see, unless you're new to the fandom, you know who this cloaked warrior is in the um, the kind of destroyed forest of the planet Corvus. 
just going to town on some, um, you know, nondescript soldiers who are futilely attempting to to get back to this settlement. They were double-bladed white lightsabers. Yeah, I, I kind of loved that they wasted no time. I was surprised, actually, very surprised that it was like, oh, yeah, there's no big reveal. It was like six seconds in. Yeah, this is about Ahsoka. Like, we're not even going to – we're not going to string you along. This episode's going to be about Ahsoka. Um and really starting off with a with a literal bang with this big firefight and Ahsoka kind of ruthlessly cutting down henchmen. Um, when she cuts through the tree and then uses a chunk of the tree and throws it at a guy, I was like, this is this is awesome. Like it honestly is like some of the best lightsaber sequences we've gotten in like I mean, since like the prequel trilogy, <laughs> like, maybe actually no, best lightsaber sequence since the Last Jedi throne room fight, um, which is incredible. But uh, yeah, the way they started this episode with just like, hey, we're not pulling our punches. Like this is an Ahsoka focused episode. Absolutely love it. So the um, interesting thing is that my wife actually sat and watched this episode, and this is the first episode of The Mandalorian she's ever watched with me. Uh, I typically wait till Friday night to watch it. Um, just because I'm busy during the day, but with all the spoilers floating around and already getting partially spoiled for the episode, I'm like, well, I'm just going to start a holiday weekend, Friday morning. I'll just watch it like first thing in the morning. And it was interesting getting her perspective on the episode, having not watched any Rebels and any Clone Wars and any of the Mandalorian before. And she's like, I thought the Jedi were the good guys. Like, like, why is this one Jedi going through? And like, she knows who Ahsoka is, but like, but this before it was revealed who it was. Um, it's like going through and tearing through these guys. Like, why is she killing everybody? You know, I I had that thought as well, where I was like, man, like this I'm enjoying this, but it's kind of ruthless. So I I liked how later as the episode progresses, they really contextualize, like, yeah, no, but these this like she's fighting against a magistrate and a magistrate's army who have like basically enslaved this village and this planet. So I was like, okay, no, these are bad people. Like these aren't just yeah. like like scoundrels who she's killing in a bar fight. It's like, oh no, like these are like these are the fill in for the Empire. Like these are the guys who the Empire's gone, these people filled the void. Morgan Elsbeth, Elsbeth who is basically a warlord. Uh she calls herself the magistrate, but as we come to find out about her history, she's basically a warlord who goes from uh planet to planet just decimating the, the resources uh, for shipbuilding purposes for the Empire. And we're seeing the effects of that pretty immediately with what the forest surrounding uh, the settlement looks like. Uh, and what we don't know is initially what Ahsoka actually wants. Like, you kind of get the feeling like, oh, she's here to help these people? Not really. She just knows somehow, we never find out how, that Elspeth knows where the person is, her master, quote unquote. Uh, we and that turns out to be Grand Admiral Thrawn, of course. Um, but leading up to that, we just know that you know this person has some information that Ahsoka wants, and she does have morals. Like Elspeth using uh, the settlers, the citizens, whatever you want to call them as, as leverage being like, okay, you want to, uh, come attack me, then I'm going to torture and, and murder these people. Yeah. Interesting thing that since we're talking about, uh, Morgan Elsbeth now, uh, I did have to stop and go back and find out 
about her because they mention Ahsoka mentions that she's from the Clone Wars. Um, never seen this character before. This is she is new to this. She was never actually in the Clone Wars series. And so, like, but I wouldn't put it past Dave Filoni to actually tie back to a character from the Clone Wars. So I did have to look it up. Uh, she's portrayed by, I'm sorry if I'm going to mispronounce her name, but Diana Lee Inyo Santo, who is the godchild of Bruce Lee. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. That's pretty rad. Uh, at least that's what I saw online, and I don't doubt it because I did see a listener of the show, Greg, did uh, um, message me and say that she is the daughter of, uh, let me double check what he had wrote, that uh, she is the daughter, or Dan Inosanto's daughter, who is one of Bruce Lee's training partners and closest friends. So it makes sense that she would also be the goddaughter um, based on that. And so, like, that, like, you kind of, like, a lot of people were like, oh, she'd never be able to beat Ahsoka in a, in a fight with a, a, a stick. And it's kind of goes to that she is a martially, like, a, a fully trained martial artist, artist by theoretically some of the best martial artists that we have ever seen in film. Well, and, and so much of her has aesthetic. And I, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but just to, 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 to speak on what you were saying, so much of her aesthetic and and the way her fight with Ahsoka is framed is big time like samurai vibes. Like it's a, it harkens back to like old samurai films. Um, the whistling wind, the koi pond. They they stare at each other and nod, and and it's a very ceremonial fight. It's so yeah. I think the whole point was supposed to be like yeah, she has some sort of strict training in. In, in in I don't know like some sort of fighting style that I I knew I'm like yeah this fight with that this eventual fight she has with Ahsoka is gonna be a, a big deal um but I did the same thing when when we found out her name I was like okay do am I missing something is she a character I don't know and it turns out no she's a brand new character um but she's also accompanied by the um in the beginning of the episode we see you know this this army she has and I don't know about you guys I and I'm not saying they're connected but like they reminded me, their look reminded me a lot of the Knights of Ren. Um, yeah. And I really I like that. that. I, don't, I don't know if that was purposeful, but it was just, I thought the look of her soldiers, they didn't, it, like, they didn't, like, you know, ape from the Stormtrooper look. They looked, like, specifically menacing in a way that Stormtroopers don't. And I really enjoyed the the costume design of her, her minions. It's yeah. not... It's not the Knights of Ren. It's something else. But you're right. It's she. They're mimicking something, but I can't. I can't place what it. A little is. bit like the the Mud Troopers on Mimban. Maybe um, from Solo. That a little was bit it? of that look too. Yeah. But I really like. I really liked the. I mean, the aesthetic overall on this episode is incredible. The fact that like the majority of the episode is in gray tones and it's all about Ahsoka, a gray Jedi. It, it's a very dark episode. Like I noticed that. I'm like, it's very difficult to see what's going on in this episode. And they, they really, especially at the end, they nailed the the gunfighter western vibes, which they were very clearly going for. And I like, I think they were going through for that through the whole episode. But um, anyway, we're getting ahead, we're, we keep getting ahead of ourselves. We specifically said before this episode, people were like, we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. We're going to stay on pace, and we keep doing it. Yeah. So so let's rewind a little bit here. Um. So after we see Ahsoka's um, whole sequence with with the soldiers and demanding the information, we move back to Baby Yoda and Din Djarin 
landing and you know we witnessed the the moment with baby baby yoda using the force to get the knob that he enjoys so much um which seems kind of random but as we excuse me got further into the episode it very much was not um and the mandalorian gets allowed into the settlement because he has the reputation of being a mandalorian uh which is a bounty hunter and a member of the guild and someone very uh, trusted to bring in difficult to kill and capture targets, which is exactly what happens. Elsbeth hires him to kill Ahsoka and in return promises to reward him with a Beskar spear, which is really cool. And we know how expensive and uh, pricey Beskar is. So to have a whole spear with it, it's pretty clear that it's just like a priceless reward. Um, so the, the cool thing about Beskar is in Legends, it was touted the reason why Beskar is such an expensive metal um, is because it can deflect Stop lightsabers. lightsabers. But George Lucas had specifically stated when he was making his movies that nothing can de- deflect a lightsaber until you come to episode three with those uh, magna droids and they have their little um, electricity staffs uh, and those are able to deflect lightsabers. guards, yeah. Yeah, but so like Legends had Cortosis, which could basically short circuit a lightsaber and they're slowly starting to actually bring these back into canon because I believe Cortosis was mentioned in the second Thrawn book um, and as one of the, 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 they're making battle droids out of this to try to short circuit out the lightsabers. But Beskar, we never really found out why Beskar was such a, uh, an awesome metal um, because like clearly other things can deflect uh, laser blasts. So why would Beskar be especially important? And we see firsthand what Beskar can do to a lightsaber. And luckily the Mando, I don't, I assume he didn't know this beforehand, but like uh, he uh, almost didn't make it past this episode if uh, if it didn't have that power. Yeah, I um, I kind of, I, I was wondering if they were just going to blatantly explain. I thought there was going to be like really heavy exposition of like, how did you block my lightsabers? And Mando was going to be like, best car steel is the strongest steel in the galaxy and it can deflect anything. Um, but I kind of like how they were just like, ah, eh, like you'll get it. Like, it was yeah, implied. Defle- yeah, like Beskar can deflect know. lightsabers. Yeah, um, I, and I that's have... something from. Is that a is so? Because I knew that going in, like, yeah, Beskar can stop lightsabers. Is that from the Clone Wars or is that Legends? That's Legend. It came from Legends, and I don't think it's ever been mentioned in canon. No, it. I'm almost positive it hasn't. And I assume the reasoning is like, yes, because the Mandalore's greatest enemy is the Jedi, so they created armor that would stop the Jedi's weapons. Like, it, Pretty it, much, To me, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay, you don't need to explain it. It immediately makes sense to me. And they did they did bring up that point as well, is that you are too, like, you're not going to be working together because you already hate her. Like, yeah. And Mandalorian's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm already an outcast of an outcast to society. Like <laughs> I've recently discovered that I'm in a cult. Um, so we can hang out. Uh, yeah, so we see, as Connor brought up, uh, the Beskar saved Mando's life when he almost gets killed by Ahsoka out in the woods when he goes looking for her. And damn, 
if that wasn't an awesome fight sequence with the the wrist flamethrower, her twirling through the air and ditching the cloak as it's on fire, him uh like the the rope and pulley system uh moments. Just the whole thing was great. It was quick but it was so good. Like yeah. maybe yeah. like a 30 second little fight but it was so perfect. There were so many little details that were just fantastic. As you said Connor, whoever they have choreographing their fights is just doing such a fantastic job. It just showed off both of their skill sets within like 20 seconds. But I'm also glad that it was short because I don't think from what we've seen the Mando should be able to stand up to Ahsoka for very long um, because she is by far a more skilled fighter than he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and like she has like literally like decades of more experience. Um, like she was fighting in a galactic war when he was an infant. And so like that's I I I'm glad they cut it off when they did, because like I'm like this would have been a Django situation. I was just about to say he was gonna get Django fetted (laughs) real bad. You found the weakness in his armor. (laughs) Turns out it's right at the neck. Yeah. Uh so yeah, uh, you know, as he convinces her not to keep fighting, she also sees Baby Yoda. And uh the following Who? Who? It's not Baby Yoda. So the following uh, interaction has Ahsoka and Baby Yoda sitting around a fire, kind of communicating through the Force with their emotions, uh, which leads us to probably the biggest revelation uh, in the series so far, depending on who you ask. But it's up there. Uh, The child. The child has a name. Yeah. He's officially has a name. Grogu. And we also find out that he was... Because there were so many questions, like, is he a clone? Is he, um, was he taken from the planet that Yoda's from, wherever that is? Like, is he a Jedi? Was he a youngling? Like, there's so many questions, and we do officially find out that he was raised and trained by several Jedi Masters on Coruscant in the Jedi Temple uh, before the Empire rose to power, and then he was taken and hidden uh, before Master Skywalker showed up. <laughs> I'd say this uh this pretty much puts a nail in the coffin of him being a clone because mm-hmm. like the the cloning really was only for, for through the um uh the Kaminoans and they didn't really like there's probably people other people cloning but at that time like we didn't really hear about it and this is before really Palpatine really had a foothold in his his power base yeah, with the combination of last episode and this episode, when we know the uh, the dudes from Kamino, they're cloning, but they're not cloning Baby Yodas. They're cloning uh, what we believe to be our um, soldiers that are going to be wearing the, um, the, the, the cybernetic armor that gives you force powers. And that's why Baby Yoda was involved, not because they were trying to clone him. Uh, but because they were trying to give his abilities to the clone soldiers, which are um, help me out Death, here. Dark troopers. Dark troopers. Thank you. Um, so the puzzle has pretty much been solved at this point. We still don't know the exact details of those um, dark soldiers, dark troopers. Excuse me. Or even if they are dark troopers, like we yeah. They, I mean, the evidence is pretty much pointing to that, but. Uh, I would say between last episode and this episode, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that's strictly where the clone uh, 
clones are involved, and it has nothing to do with him beyond the fact that his M count is very high. On the topic of the Grogu name, first of all, I kept thinking Goku. Um, I kept getting confused with Dragon Ball Z. Um, But also, I saw, I think it was the critic for Variety had said that the revelation that the child has a name, that the name is Grogu, has killed the appeal of the child for me. And if that's your reaction to this, let me tell you something straight up. I'm not going to mince my words. You suck if that's your feeling towards this. Granted, is it kind of a weird name? Yeah, it's, you know, it's like Grogu. Okay, a little weird. But, like, if the child getting a name ruins Baby Yoda for you... A 50-year-old, a 50-year-old child. You don't think it already has a name? Yeah, like, <laughs> that's me, like, and I've only seen a couple people, like, I mean, we were joking around on the Discord channel, which if you're not on the Discord channel, $2 will get you on it. Support us on Patreon, please. Quick plug. But, like, we were joking around on the Discord channel, like, yeah, we're, we're all going to call him Baby Yoda still. Like, nobody's going to call him Grogu. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Baby Yoda does. But if that legitimately kills your interest into the character you're the worst like keep in mind keep in mind this is a galaxy where the most evil hateful person in the galaxy is named sheev sheev like come on wow connor i wish our listeners could see the face you just made while you said that Uh, but yeah, also, there's no one that's going to show up at your door and be like, oh, I see at 7.32 tonight p.m. you refer to the child uh, known as Grogu as simply the child. You're not going to be allowed to do that anymore. Like, no one cares. Call him whatever you want. We are going to have to rescind your uh, Grogu merch now. I, I think uh, I'm probably definitely going to stick with uh, Baby Yoda just because he's Baby Yoda. Because it's wrong. Yeah. I mean. Uh, <laughs> he's not a I'm- baby. He's also not a Yoda. I'm only going to use Grogu when I'm trying to pretentiously win arguments. That's the only way I win arguments. <laughs> and it's just like, I like I said, I'm not saying that it's an amazing name, but it's like, it can't, it's just his name. Like, we're still, everybody's still going to call him Baby Yoda. You're also coming from a species where the only other two that we know of are called Yoda and Yaddle. It's, yeah. they're not, they're not great names to begin and, with. This is... The- <laughs> <laughs> and the Yaddle puppet is the Yoda puppet, just with extra hair. Was so, it? I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure it's the same puppet, just with more hair. That's not, like, confirmed or anything, but if you look at it, it's like, yeah, I think they just glued more hair on top. Um, anyway, back to specific discussions of the episode. Um, I am intrigued. So, what the the age of a youngling, like, when you start your Jedi training is... Because they say Anakin's too old and Anakin is like 10 or 11 when Qui-Gon brings him to the council. Nine? So that puts, let's say Grogu is, so what, he's six when he gets brought to the council? So I'm just trying to figure out if, if like, okay, what is his exact age? Or like, you know, I'm trying to figure out that timeline in my head. Jim, I know you're the timeline master, so if you could lend a hand. Uh, it's estimated that I don't know. Did did we get a inkling of when he was brought to the council? Because uh, he was Grogu. Assuming he is fifty in this episode, in these in this series, which is taking place all roughly within a short period of time, uh, about five years after Return of the Jedi, he was born either the same year as Anakin or like the year before Anakin. 
Like, they're really close in age because Anakin's almost 10 in The Phantom Menace. Uh, and so it's they're, they're real close in age. So if uh, I would assume that he would have been brought to the council before The Phantom Menace. Okay. Yeah, so that puts him, like, around... He's in his mid-50s. He just qualified for the early bird discount. Well, he's 50. Like, they said 50-year-old that uh, in the first first episode of The Mandalorian. Actually, yeah, that is true. And it I seems about uh, very clear that his species... I mean, we know how long-lived Yoda is, but they mature at a very different rate. We also know that Yoda's a liar, so Yoda could have been exaggerating. It's like when nine hundred years old you reach. What are you talking about? You're like at least two twenty. That's it. Like you're you're just because nobody's been around, nobody really knows how old you are. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, the, the Grogu level revelation, like we said at the top of the episode, um probably the biggest the biggest info drop we've gotten in this show. Like the biggest, just blatant intro info drop. Not like assume, just, but like it was this exposition. Is actually, yeah, I was gonna say, this is the first time in the show where it's like, and here you go, a nice heaping pile of exposition served around the campfire. How do you like that? And all of us were like, yes, more please. That was after five minutes of just staring at them, staring at each other. Yeah, pacing like, there was back and no forth. dialogue. It's like, can you communicate with them? Uh, kind of, sort of. I but I know his, his name. I know where he's been for the last 50 years, every minute detail. But I can just kind of uh, communicate with him. And I, I also like how they still they still left a little bit of mystery and intrigue with her saying, like, well, then he leaves the temple and things go dark. And it's like, okay, what happened then? He turns to an evil baby Yoda. He had his he had some dark college years. Uh, uh, you know, he he. he <laughs> He partied a little too much, and he'd rather not talk about it. Yeah, so uh, similar to Yoda with Anakin, he gets turned down for training because of his attachments. Uh, And we've seen what happens when Jedi have strong emotional attachments to other people. Uh, So it's it's a pretty valid reason. But then, uh, you know, later in the episode, Ahsoka kind of reverses course like she agrees but to take she him but but, but, whatsoever. <laughs> but then like mando agrees to help her on the condition that she'll take the child but then she's kind of like oh i was just totally kidding about that <laughs> my wife watching the show she's like wouldn't he be like super pissed about this i'm like well he would, would if be. he if he really <laughs> wanted to let the kid go and clearly he doesn't because of how much he cares about him once again He's just trying to ditch this kid. He's a dead beat dad. Yet yeah, who's always there? Who spends a, time with the child? He's a decent dad. And now after dad. spending 13 years of quarantine with the child, he now knows his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Um anyway, I did like the the little line, the specific line of like I've seen what it does to the best of us. Because, like, wasn't that a callback in... I feel like Ahsoka said that in the Clone Wars, or maybe I was just imagining that. Um, but I don't know. Like, that was a... a I, I kept expecting there to be a specific Darth Vader name drop, and I kind of like that they didn't, you know? Um, but also, like, 
I was watching with my um my sister, my dad, and my sister's boyfriend, and my sister like she was like, I know I'm supposed to know who that is, but did I miss something somewhere? This, and we were like, Yes, whole, she is. Yeah, this whole episode a, she, was a you missed something if you didn't yeah. watch the other stuff because they didn't they. I expected her to blatantly say, like, I oh, it happened to my master, Anakin Skywalker, for those, like, my sister, who have never watched The Clone Wars of Rebels, who she, like, she, like I said, she's like, I know I'm supposed to know who that is, but wh- who is she? And then we were like, oh, that's uh, Anakin's former apprentice. It was like, oh, okay, like, that's a big deal. So that's why I'm, I'm a little surprised we didn't get that blatant exposition of, like, I'm... My master was once Anakin Skywalker and is now Darth Vader, turned to Darth Vader. Um, because there are going to be probably a lot of people watching this show who Who've never really seen, have no idea who yeah. Ahsoka Tano is. Um, they know they, which is funny. They they probably understand the hype around this episode that like okay, she's supposed to be a big deal. But I think there's probably a ton of people who watch this episode who are like. I want to know more now, but I have no clue who this is. Well, uh, isn't part of that like a, a hook to have folks go back and watch Rebels or Clone Wars or, you know? I'm surprised there wasn't a plug at the end of this episode that said, for more on Ahsoka Tano, go watch the Clone Wars and Rebels. I'm like, now or like on when Disney they do Plus. it in comic books, it's just a little <laughs> box on the bottom yeah. of the screen. Like when check, she pops up, I'd... like, hi, Ahsoka. Bo-Katan sent me. For more information on Bo-Katan and Ahsoka, please <laughs> see <asterisk>. issue number. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't a checklist at the end of the episode of must-see uh, Rebels and Clone Wars episodes for more on Ahsoka. So, uh, as we briefly touched on earlier, the uh, Ahsoka and Din Djarin make a deal. You know, uh, if you help me get to the woman, uh, Elsbeth, in here, who has the information I need, I'll train the kid. And we know how that deal goes. Uh, so we see Elsbeth cutting through some guards, throws down Jaren's signet, uh, his his kind of shoulder pauldron with his Mandalorian signet on it, and makes it appear as if she's killed him, and then demands to know from Michael Bean uh, where Elsbeth is, and we we see how that goes. First of all, we want to talk about him again. Michael Bean, A plus in this episode, but also, man, he has aged a lot. He looks way older than he actually is. I don't know if they did that on purpose. I don't know if that was prosthetics or makeup. Um, but like watching it, I was like, man, he's got to be like seventy five years old. And then it's like, oh no, oh, he's come like sixty five. That's a I I thought he looked so much older. Um, but he was also. So, 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 so good in this episode. Um, I like that. And this is such a small detail to kind of nerd out over, but I thought it was super cool. Um, the fact that he had like a shotgun type weapon. Yeah. I thought it was really that was cool. really cool. Um, because that's something we've only really seen in Battlefront as like a special weapon to use. So the fact that like you see just somebody using it was kind of, I, like I said, it's really specific and really nerdy, but I was like, that's super, super rad. But also I want to talk about when uh, Ahsoka initially hops over the wall to fight the guards, and when she cuts through the guard and through the bell at once, was just <laughs> so cool. Or when she pulls one guard's rifle away from him and throws it at another guy, it was just 
uh, you know, I know we keep saying this, but just the fighting, the fight choreography in this episode was so good and was like so perfect to the Ahsoka fight style. And especially the aged Ahsoka fight style where she's not, she's, you know, she's not old. She's, you know, probably in like what her early forties, if that, um, uh, I'd have to think. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure off the top of my head. She's not I that old. No, I wouldn't call her old, but she has gotten older, so she's not as she's grown up. She would be. In, she'd be agile. in her mid forties. Yeah. Yeah, but she still is like very much using that her like a very similar fight style to what we've seen before, where she quick movements. Um, it's just it was awesome. Um, and then getting to like I said, getting to to the Michael Bean character who I not named in the show but is named on Lang. wikipedia lang yeah. um which apparently this is the episode of weird not great names but um it's it, it was it was i enjoyed it i think my my favorite part of this whole uh back and forth was the um you know westerns in like samurai movies are like the two biggest influences on star wars um and we have like outside the gate this western showdown happening between the head of the guards uh michael bean and the mandalorian with this like you know hand hovering above the holster and then just on the other side of the wall we have this like classic samurai type showdown happening with the the koi pond and the um, bonsai trees and like the slow circling with their weapons drawn. I just, I loved seeing like two of star Wars biggest influences happening like that, like side by side, like separated Mm -hmm. by a wall. And I got like such a, uh, a kill bill feel from Ahsoka throughout like her entire assault, like taking on, all the goons and then like when um uma thurman's character takes on uh lucy is it lucy lou i don't remember the actress's name but the character name is oranishi and they're standing off against each other with samurai swords drawn in the snow and it's such a cool looking moment in kill bill and i was just drawn back to that with Elspeth holding the best car uh, spear and Ahsoka with her two lightsabers drawn. I just thought uh, from a cinematog- uh, cinematography standpoint, this episode was just incredible and all the callbacks. So you're not the only person that uh, do draw the Kill Bill uh, comparison, especially since Kill Bill is also a very um, samurai-influenced movie. Uh, I think we're missing one of the most important contributions or inclusions within this uh, episode, though. And for anybody who had played Knights of the Old Republic, the HK droids. Uh, I didn't uh, even pick that. I thought you were going to go with a different little Easter egg they had. I didn't even realize it's the HK droids from Knights of the Old Republic. They, yeah, they, they specifically, it's not like, I assume it's not HK 47 from the game, but HK are these assassin type droids. And the one in the Knights of the Old Republic is very sarcastic, calling, um, anything alive as meat bag, uh, which <laughs> gets, gets very I, humorous. Um, the I more totally he forgot it. about that. That got by me a hundred percent. And that's what the two droids, the one wearing the, the one wearing the cloak, 
um, when she hands over the Beskar spear or shows him the Beskar spear. That's the one of the HK, and it's the the one that does literally the backflip up onto the roof. Um, was another of the HK droids, which he took out a little too easily, um, to my chagrin. But uh, yeah, but it was cool. It was it, the, the, those were some of my favorite inclusions. There was also a Lothcat running around. I don't know if you guys saw that. I, I did, did not yes. see the Lothcat. Yeah, there was yeah. a Lothcat running around, which I thought was nice. It was um, darting uh, in the alleyway. Yeah, but no, the the overall the the back to back mixture of the samurai the the obvious like samurai fight between uh, Ahsoka and Elsbeth, and then the classic like gunslinger duel between Lang and the Mando was just. I mean, it's just so good. It was so rad. I like. I don't have anything deeper to say about it other than it was super cool. Sometimes you don't need to say anything more, right? Just yeah. that it was cool. Um, yeah. So that's kind of you know we saw how that went. We don't know if Elsbeth gave up the information. We don't know if she was killed. We don't know if she was taken uh, prisoner. But I'm fine with all that because I felt like it really didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And I like that, you know, we all want to know where Thrawn is. But at the end of the day, this is uh, the Mandalorian. It's not Ahsoka and Rebels crew. Uh, And I feel like it gives them a lot of leeway to play with that wherever they take Ahsoka, Thrawn, Ezra, and Sabine Wren. Uh, I didn't want too many hints. Like, I still want to be surprised and delighted by what they end up doing with those characters in that story. I I don't want to feel like I know what's going to happen just yet. So I'm actually glad that we didn't definitively know whether or not she was given the information. I just love the implications around the Thrawn name drop is like, okay, where's Sabine? Is Sabine around the corner somewhere? I honestly thought we might have gotten Sabine in. I thought Sabine was going to drop in in this episode at some point. Um, after the, like at like right before the credits, I thought we were going to see Sabine. Um, and then also, we really wouldn't need the Mando in this episode. Yeah, like, then I'd be she like, would... get rid of him. Don't even yeah. care anymore. Um, but uh, and I like, but just the implications of like, okay, cool. So where's Sabine? What, is is Ahsoka still after Ezra? Did she maybe find Ezra? I don't know. But like, I. I just what this, like I said, that's where it really feels like a backdoor pilot for an Ahsoka show. It's like you could spin this off on its own thing just to be like, okay, now the Ahso- we're going to spin off to an Ahsoka series and it's Ahsoka tracking down Thrawn. I would love that. But either way, um, the that little tease was everything. It was perfect. Yeah, it's just, it, it kind of, it was great, but it also felt like they're leaving tons of dangling threads on this uh, this series. Uh, you got the the Bo-Katan thread. You got you got Cobb Vant doing something out there. You got the Mandalore, um, the planet Mandalore thread. Now you got Ahsoka looking for Thrawn thread. And it's like we didn't need all of this in the series. Like I just want to like like grab Dave Filoni's head and go focus, focus your story. Like you well, don't and we have need Typhon. all of this. <laughs> They're headed towards uh, Titan, which is where. We saw Vader and Afra go in the comics not that long ago, and we know is the site of uh, Jedi artifacts and a J- ancient Jedi temple. So, did they toward... go to Tython? No, like that's where they're supposed to be going. That's where oh, Ahsoka oh. tells him, like, take. No, the no, child no. There. I know that, but did they go in the comics? Because they Tython did. is huge in Legends. Legends, like yes. where when we have, um, basically Luke goes to the first Jedi Temple as on Octo. That's Tython in Legends, where the first where the Jedi basically started 
And so they had um, the Old Republic MMO has a huge thing on Tython. Like it is the most important planet to the Jedi Order in Legends. And to have him go there, I like it's it'd be interesting to see what they're going to do with Tython now that we already have Octo Afra was listed. There with Vader, and she actually almost destroyed Vader there. She came very close. Uh, and she kind of forced him through the Force uh, artifacts to relive his most like painful memories. It was a pretty impre- incredible part of uh, the Afro comic. It was during one of the last uh, story arcs before Alyssa Wong to- took over. I highly recommend it. Uh, yeah, I've, so I've read a- them all, but I don't remember specifically. Didn't like Afro temporarily strand her father on Tython? probably <laughs> yeah i think I she mean, stranded it's, it's afra so i'm sure there's a really good chance uh yeah so this episode was there was a lot going on but it was pretty incredible um we 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 don't know what's gonna happen with thrawn with ahsoka with sabine with ezra we're not sure if we're gonna get yet another jedi in the show with the jedi temple uh what implications that has it's a ice planet Maybe we'll get some more spiders, Jim. I know how much you love that. Uh, and there's still, you know, Bo-Katan is still out there. And Boba Fett is still out there. There's only three episodes left, and there's so many threads that they could follow. I almost forgot they teased Boba Fett in the first episode. That's how many teases there have been this season. All right. So uh, regardless of, of how they wrap this series up, I think... Is it fair to speak for for all of us when we said we were overall like pretty damn pleased with this episode? I would agree. Yes, this is my favorite episode of the show so far. Jim, yeah, I generally I, I enjoyed it. I thought I, I'd say it's maybe not my most favorite, as I said before, but it's definitely in the top three with the first episode and the Bo-Katan episode. I think so. Like it, I still have like the story problems as I've mentioned before that hasn't changed anything, but it was a, a very good episode. It was a lot of fun. And I do, Ahsoka is one of my favorite characters. So I do enjoy that she was there and I thought she was very well done um, within the, the story. And I, I kept staring at the little crinkles on her. Um, uh, are they Leku on, um, on Togruta or are they something else? I don't remember. Uh, but I kept staring at the crinkles at how well like her makeup and stuff were done. I do wish Ashley had done the voice, but I guess that's uh I yeah, I kind of crossed my mind, but I think with the with how much older Ahsoka is, it worked. I cuz I was trying to think about I'm like, well, it would be a little weird if she still had such a youthful voice, but it's like, well, she's but she's a middle-aged woman now. Yeah, so you're it looking worked, 10 but... years later from the last time we saw her in Rebels, so Yeah, so it, it, I agree. It works. At first I was like I was like, "Oh, I kind of do miss Ashley Eckstein, but it works." All right. Uh this is where we're going to wrap things up today. Uh so thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. If you'd like to pr- support the show, you can do so uh through Patreon. We're a member of AIPTComics.com. That's where we hail from. If you go to Patreon.com slash AIPTComics, you can support us there. If you want to hang out and talk Star Wars with uh, Jim Connor and myself, we're on Discord every day. For as little as $2, you can get access to AIPT's Discord. Uh, and we'd love to chat with Star Wars uh, there with you. We have a nice little community of Star Wars fans, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. Uh, you can also support the show for as little as a dollar. Every little bit helps. We appreciate it so much. Uh, as I said, you can find all of us on AIPTComics.com for more uh, great Star Wars content, more podcasts, and the most comic book reviews anywhere every Wednesday. You can also find us on Twitter. 
at AIPT Comics. And you can email us, Jim knows where. Talking Tauntauns at AIPTcomics.com because clearly JJ still has not gotten the email um, memorized yet. Mm, or I just like making <laughs> him do stuff. We'll never know. All right. So that's going to do it. Thanks for hanging out with us today, guys. We hope you had a fun time. As always, we had a good time talking about Star Wars. And we'll see you next time. Bye, you kill.